Welcome to the Bridging the Generation podcast. I'm your host, Malak Arif, and today I got a special treat for y'all. My next guest comes straight out of Philly, one of the architects and pioneers of the classic Philadelphia sound, known for hits such as You Make Me Feel Brand New, People Make the World Go Round, You Are Everything, Funky Weekend, Hurry Up This Way Again. I mean, I can go on and on and on. His unique and distinctive falsetto has been heard around the world for the past 50 years. Gold records, platinum records, number ones. You've seen it all. He's done it all. And with all that said, it's an honor and pleasure, it's a pleasure to introduce to the Bridging the Generation podcast, the one, the only, Mr. Russell Tompkins Jr. of the Stylistics. Let's go. <laughs> podcast you guys are witnessing a legend it's an honor to have this brother we have the legendary lead singer of the stylistics mr russell Tompkins jr how are you doing today sir i'm doing great thank you so much for having me now it's an it's an, it's an honor and it's a pleasure i've been a long time fan of your work i'm still a fan of your work so uh, I hope you have a little time. I don't want to keep you here long. I say that to a lot of my guests, but this is special. This this is a special moment, not just for me, but for the Bridging the Generation podcast and for the culture as a whole. All right. Uh, <laughs> you got me for as long as you want. <laughs> hey, well, check it out. So first of all, I like to ask a lot of my guests. With all this going on in the world today, how have you been maintaining with the whole, you know, COVID nineteen and you know what's going on in the world as far as just a lot of hostility, just a lot of craziness, brother? How you been maintaining? I've been fighting this thing for as long as okay. for the best way I possibly can. You know, there's been ups and downs, and it's, and it's been a whole year. Right. So there's been no COVID, but there's been some illness. There's been some troubles here and there. There's been some happy times here and there, but uh, I'm getting a little tired of watching TV. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's right. I know. Hey, what you watching though? Let me know. Hey, maybe you can put me on to something that's interesting. I don't watch a lot of TV. Well, I'm a sports guy, man. That's what I watch mainly: sports on TV. Baseball so, just started back up again. Basketball is still rolling. So okay, uh, that's okay. what. I, and if I'm not on CNN, that's what I'm watching. No doubt, no doubt. Now, earlier when we when we chopped it up, I noticed you had that Cowboys, uh, you had a Cowboys uh, sweatshirt on or T-shirt on. That's all right. I gave you a break. I didn't wear it again. <laughs> I got a whole bunch of Cowboys stuff I could have Oh, wore. man. Okay, good night. Hey, good night, everybody. Uh, Russell Tucker, Joey, we out of here. Y'all take care. <laughs> no, that's all right. I'm a, Hey, because of who you are, I'm going to let that slide. I'm going to let that slide. It's okay. okay. It's All okay. Right. I know that from what I, from what I've heard, and, and you know, a lot of lot of you know uh, older uh, older you know the older generation, 
they loved the Cowboys because that was the now correct me if I'm wrong. The Cowboys was the first team that had like black stars. You know when 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 a lot well, of teams they didn't allow black players on the team. Like I'm a Redskins fan, and the Redskins were the last team to uh, integrate players. Yeah, but uh, I, I liked the, the Redskins for a while when they had a black quarterback. But uh, my reason for when I first started liking the Cowboys is when uh, when I first got married, the first apartment yeah. I got was uh, rented to me from Herb Adderley. And Herb Adderley played for Green Bay and the Cowboys, and we became friends. And uh, because we were friends, that's when I first started watching the, the Cowboys. This was back in 772 or something like mm. that. And I've been a Cowboy fan ever since. Intermittently, I like the uh, the Eagles, you know, because I'm from Philly. I don't want to see him lose, but uh, I'm a Cowboy right. fan. But I like the Eagles when uh, Randall Cunningham was here, when they Ooh. had a uh, – yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's Scram- Scram- scrambling Randall. He was he was, yeah, he was right. something else. <laughs> he was something else. So so look, Mister uh, uh, Russell. I you know I'm from the old school. I can't help but to call you know my 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 elders you know by their last name. But we gonna try to I'm gonna try to get it right today, Russell. Um, Russell, right. I want to I want to go back to the beginning because you're a very peculiar artist in the fact that. We don't see you often, but we all know the music. The music is everywhere. It's in our DNA. It's, 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 it's embedded in not just uh, rhythm and blues culture, but it's, it's embedded in the culture of uh, uh, popular music as a whole. So I want to take the time to introduce uh, the fans uh, to Russell Tompkins Jr. And I want, I want to talk about the story of the stylistics. Okay. Right. So let's go back. So exact. So um, you're from Philadelphia. Talk about Philadelphia and how um, impactful the city of Philadelphia uh, has been to you. And what was it like growing up in Philadelphia? Well, growing up in Phil, growing up in Philadelphia was uh, <clears throat> at times a little rough from where I came from. Uh, I came from North Philadelphia, and North Philadelphia could be uh, a very rough place to be raised up at. And uh, I didn't get into uh, music per se until I was in junior high school. That's when I first started going on the stage. And before I was a singer, when I had to go to school, it was it was time to to, to be able to fight and do things like that. But as soon as I started singing and stuff in school, the the older guys, when I used to come out of school and say, don't mess with him, that's Elvis. He's trying to do something for himself. <laughs> and uh, after that, I didn't have too many <laughs> too many problems. But listening to music growing up, uh, I, lis- I like to listen to a lot of music from the past. I still do, from the 40s and the 50s. I was born in 51. Okay. And uh, some music from the 30s. My, my father was a singer. Okay. So I listened to all the music that my parents listened to growing up. And um, if I wasn't listening to music or trying to sing when I was growing, I was on the basketball court. I played ball okay. every year. You know, all, all my life I played ball from the time I was eight years old until I was in my 50s. Mm. And uh, I played every place all over the world, everywhere I've, I've been. I had a, I, okay. I've had a basketball Jones my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> so, you're, but, so I take it you're, you're Sixers, a Philadelphia 76ers fan. Yeah. 
Oh, there I'm back again. Nah, it's uh, okay. It's all good. No, I was just asking. I said, I take it. I take it. You're a Sixers fan. No, no, I'm not a Sixer. I haven't been a Sixer fan since Julius Irving and Moses Malone was here. Woo! Four, but, four, uh, four. Yeah, I've <laughs> always liked the the Lakers because I'm a Will Chamberlain man, and yeah. then. Uh, I was a big Michael Jordan fan, so I, I liked Chicago for a while, okay. and uh, I met a lot of the ball players. So uh, I'm a, I'm a fan of the game more so, just a and fan of any team. No doubt. Okay. Okay. All right. So you 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 mentioned, you know, you started singing, uh, in in I believe you just said high school, correct? No, in junior high school. I started. Junior high. I apologize. Yeah. Junior high school. So what was you mentioned? You said you was in. Uh, you you li- used to listen to a lot of your parents' music. What were some of the artists that you remember that heavily influenced uh, your sound? Oh, so many. Uh, Gloria Lynn, Sarah Vaughn, Dinah Washington, Billy Eckstein, Johnny Hartman, uh, all the almost all the singers from that time. Um, growing up, I like to look at the musicals that were on TV. My mother, okay. it was like the pandemic when I was growing up. Uh, <laughs> my mother wouldn't let me go nowhere. So I was I always was in front of the TV and I watched the musicals. So okay. all the songs that were coming out during that time, they should show the uh, Fred Astaire movies, the Elvis mm. Presley movies and things Fred like that. Fred Astaire and uh, Ginger Rogers. Rogers. I would learn their songs. All the musicals, Judy Garland, Mickey Rooney, Gene uh, Kelly. I, I never worked with Gene Kelly. I never worked with uh I worked with Mickey Rooney. I never worked with uh uh Gene Kelly or or him. But a lot of the older artists, uh, the young Sinatras, see, because I came along at a time that they still were alive and still were working. So some of the shows I did, you know, I, I did along mm. with that. I would go I would go see them and, and try to meet them myself. Wow. And uh, but musically, a teacher in junior high school um took a hold of me and started teaching me things when i was uh singing at the talent shows and things in junior high school and she put me in uh the all city choir i sang in that choir i sang in the choir in the junior high school and i was the only boy in the girls course wow Wow. that's when my singing first started but you know during that time everybody wanted to have a singing group so we would all stand after after the uh school we would stand on the corner and we would sing all the popular music that was out at that time and the guys that were in the glee club and some of the guys that i played ball with you know we would mm-hmm. sing together and eventually that formed into a a group okay and uh we at that time also the uh the schools had bands so it wasn't hard to find, you know, uh, musicians to play behind us. And uh, we all got together and we start start performing. I go play basketball from the time I got out of school until it was uh, time to go to rehearsal. Wow. And then, again, it's, then <laughs> play ball and then go sing all night. And, and, you know, that was it right, until right. I got in high school. And then when I got in high school, the group was was starting to become a little bit more professional. Mm. Um, let me skip back a little bit here. Please do. We was 
started to become a little more professional while we were in high school and okay. singing at the talent shows. So I came from a group called the Monarchs. Okay. And a couple of other guys in the original stylistics were in a group called the Percussions. And we sang against each other in the talent shows in the high school in the high school that they went to. I went to another different high school than they did. And uh, at the end of the year, people were going either to further education mm -hmm. or they were going in war. Mm. And it was just guys left from a few guys left in the monarchs and a few guys left in the percussions. An uh, English okay. teacher in the high school at the time by the name of Beverly Hamilton had the idea of taking both groups and putting them together. And okay. when he put them both together, that's how the stylistics was formed. Now, this, the, down, you said uh, the monarchs and you you also mentioned an, uh, another group. Now, now who was in the who was in the monarchs and who was in the other group that you just mentioned? Because we know the 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 the, the stylistics from that first project was you, Aaron Love, uh, you know, was Herb Morrell, uh, uh, James, uh, you know, Smith and James Dunn. So wh who well, came from who? Who came well, from who? Uh, Arian Love, James Smith, and myself were from the Monarchs. Monarchs uh, James okay. Dunn and Herb Morrell was from the Percussions. From the Percussions, okay. So we had the Monarchs and the, and, and the Percussions. So growing up in Philadelphia, you know, around this time you had the, you know, the Delphonics and you had the Intruders. You know, did you guys were, did you guys ever perform with any of those groups? You know, we did. We did later. They're, they were older. Uh, the intruders, excuse me, <clears throat> the intruders were from my neighborhood, so I knew them, and they wow. had hit records out long, long before I started to, you know, become professional. But eventually, and I so I I seen their rehearsal when I was a kid. So okay. when we got older, we started and we got our first record out. We started working with the intruders a lot. Uh, the Delphonics, uh, we didn't start working with them until after we start having a couple of hits, but. When I didn't have any songs of my own to sing, I would sing Delphonic songs. I would mm. sing uh, was The Moments, Love on a Two-Way Street. I would sing their songs. Mm. And, of course, mm. we all wanted to be with the great ones, The Temptations. Right. Temptations. Yes, sir. Yes, yeah. sir. <laughs> so, 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 Russell, you have one of the most distinctive and unique falsettos in, in music history. When did you realize that, you know, that what I do is just, it's different. Like you have a lot of great falsetto singers, but yours is very distinctive. And had you always sang in that range? When did you realize that? Um, when my voice started to change, I didn't wanna, when my voice started to become deeper, I didn't, I didn't wanna sing down lower. And uh, I, I sang in a, in a natural tenor, similar to the way that Smokey Robinson does okay. when, uh, when, I was, when I was younger. And I started to become a baritone. And that's when I mm. found out that I, I could go to uh, the falsetto and sing Eddie Kendrick songs. Hold on, time out, and, time out. <laughs> time out, Mr. Russell. You can sing baritone. Well, that's the voice I talk in. I, I'm a baritone singer, yeah. 
my father was a baritone and a tenor also. So when he was teaching me to sing, the yeah. songs that I sang were the Billy Eckstein songs and the Johnny Hartman songs. And so my range was really expanded. I could really sing from the, the low, even now, the low baritones all the way to the tenor. Okay. But even more so when I was younger, because I still had a, you know, a younger tone in my voice, mm -hmm. you know, instead of uh, the bass that I have right now. But I'm, I'm talking about 60 years ago. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, I found out that I could sing Eddie Kendrick songs. Me and a friend of mine, uh, whenever we, we when we got through playing basketball and got through uh, singing, uh, he was in the... Um, he was in the uh, the Monarchs also. His name was Alvin Ranton, and he lived in back of me. Okay. And the corner store had a jukebox. So we go down to the corner store, and we play all the new Motown records that would come out, and we would learn the songs. And me and he would be David Ruffin, and I would be Eddie Kendricks. So, you know, <laughs> I learned I learned learned to sing falsetto from uh, listening to Eddie. But my okay. styling and my knowledge of of tonality, yeah, and the form of singing, knowing how mm. to how how to use the falsetto and the natural way they work together. I learned that, from that listening to women. Okay, That's why I like to sing Sarah Vaughn songs and Gloria Lynn, and then mm. I found one that fit me better than all of them, and that was Dionne Ward. And I fell in love mm. with Dionne Ward music, and uh, I've been in love with it every every since. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I learned the diction. I learned how to move my notes the right way from listening to Dion Ward, and I still sing in that natural voice also. So I listen to a lot of Frank Sinatra. Okay, and the phrasing. Okay. I mean, Sinatra phrasing yeah. was impeccable. Uh, impeccable. I, I, I swear yeah. it was impeccable. <laughs> so I listen to a lot of different people. You know, you have to. Yeah. You have to listen to the great ones. To okay. help help formulate what you do, no I was doubt. just fortunate enough to when I first started recording to work with Tommy Bell, mm. and Tommy Bell uh, awakened my own sound. So let's let's slow it down. Let's slow it down, Russell. Let's take it back. Let's take it back a little bit. So it's nineteen, I believe, nineteen seventy seventy one. You guys signed with Avco Records. Now. What brought you guys to the attention of uh, Hugo Peretti, Luigi uh, Creator, and uh, Joseph Levine? You know, now was um, this before? Was this before meeting Tom Bell? Oh, oh no! This uh, yes, it was. Yeah, when uh, I, we had a record out here in Philly that was a hit in in New York, New Jersey, Philadelphia, all the way to Baltimore, and it was uh, called "You're a Big Girl Now." There we go. And the, the, yeah. the record made enough noise that Hugo and Louise, uh heard me and they wanted to, to sign the group uh, mm -hmm. through management at that time. And uh, when we signed with Hugo and Luigi, they just told me, he said, I want you to go downtown on Monday and go down to, I think it was either the Schubert building or the, yeah, I think it was the Schubert building and meet this guy named Tom Bell. And I didn't know Tom Bell. I didn't, uh, you know, I had been singing Tom Bell songs now for years and didn't know <laughs> it was about him. I only knew the singers who did it, and that was uh, the Delphonics. Delphonics, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, so, did you have, a, did you, did you know, um, you know, William and Poogie at the, at that time? 
uh, I didn't know them personally at that time, but uh, I, I knew them because they okay. were from here in Philly. I was from North Philly. They were from, uh, I think it was West Philadelphia. And uh, I didn't know. And like I said, they were older than me, too. They, you know, I didn't hang out with them, you know. Right, right. Okay. And um, like I said, I went up to Tom Bell, and I didn't know uh, that he was the one that was writing all them songs. When I got up there, he introduced me to the to the to his writing partner. Mm-hmm. I knew her because I had worked with her at a show once a few years back, and that was Linda Creed. Linda Creed. And uh, yeah, so we started, he started running me through some songs and running me through uh, the things, and I, you know, assessing what what I could do. Mm-hmm. And we went on to start, start working together, start recording together. Okay, so let's talk about, um, you know, the first album, uh, this uh, self-titled album, uh, The Stylistics, was released in 1971. Now, talk about, you know, putting that album together with uh, uh, Tom Bell and Linda Creed. You know, from that album, I mean, just from the album cover, it's it's one of those legendary staples in, in music. You know, just even go back again, talk about that album. Cause do you remember, you know, uh, uh, you know, posing for that. I always thought, like, I remember as a kid and seeing the album cover. Talk about that. It just it talk about a little bit about that first album. Well, we live right there by where the Fairmont Park is in Philadelphia. Philadelphia has got one of the largest parks, you know, yeah. uh, on the East Coast in any city. And right where we played and grew up at, they uh, the photographers say, let's go out in the, in the park and take some pictures. And we went out in the park sat around then he laid us out in the grass and he took pictures of us and stuff like that and he decided to use that one shot that we did laying in the grass and that was it as far as the the, uh, the photo shoot was concerned <laughs> then it was time for me to go in the studio and, and start cutting them songs okay. and i would go down there always i, I wanted work with, work with, <laughs> I would go down there and start working with Tommy and Linda on the songs, you know, and then I'd go back out on the road. We always were a working act. So I was on the road at that time. I, yeah, uh, yeah. My manager also worked. Uh, his father was James Brown's manager. So wow. they hooked us up with James Brown and we was working all over the country, traveling and singing with James Brown. When we had okay. time off, I would fly back into Philly, go in the studio, cut a couple of songs to go back out on the road again. Okay. And that went on until the album was finished. The first now, one. Now, that, now that you mentioned uh, the single, You're a Big Girl Now, that was me, That was um, released, I believe, in, uh, se- uh, in 1970. But you guys, that song was featured on that first album. And I always what stood out uh, about that song was the, you know, the breakdown towards the end where the organs and the drum, like the extended version. You okay. know, and, and you and you ad lib, you, you, you know, you really showcase your your, your ad lib, you know, ability. Talk about that that a little bit because I don't. I think that you're very underrated when it comes to uh, ad libbing and you know things of that nature. Well, during that time, that's that was in the construction of R and B music, uh, Motown music, and Philly music. Uh, you mm-hmm. would sing the songs and not do too many embellishments within the song itself. But when you got to the end, usually the producer would tell you, well, go ahead, use your head and see where you can go. And if it worked, 
he kept it. If it didn't, <laughs> he didn't use it. You know? so, yeah, yeah. You know, it took some thought to really ad lib at the end of songs. And you had uh, Tommy Bell, who is an excellent singer himself, feeding oh. me lines and telling me which way to go, you know, and, and different things like that. Okay, okay. So I when remember, I, yeah. go ahead, go ahead. Uh, that was my training period. Mm. That first mm. album I worked with with Tommy Bell, learning how to do certain things in the studio and learning how to uh, how to record. Period. And then when I left working with Tommy Bell, I could I could work with anybody that I ever went in the studio with. I automatically knew what I had to do and what should be done. Okay, okay. So because I've read uh, through my research, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Let me know if this is true. Um, I heard that. Um, when you first got uh, with Tommy Bell, your range was so high that he was working with you to control that when you sang. Because from what we hear on record, it's not what we was it was not what was originally displayed in the studio because you have this very unique and wide range. So talk about that, how Mr. Bell uh, helped uh, control the range uh, of your voice so you'll be able to uh, better uh, uh, record in the studio. Talk about that a well, little bit. Everybody during that time wanted to show people how high they could sing. <laughs> okay. I could sing as high as you. I could, you know, everybody tried to do that. So every song you try to sing as high as you wanted, you, you could. Tommy right. Bell, when he when I started working with him, the first thing he said to me was, first thing we're gonna do is bring that key down. <laughs> okay, so so I am right. That that what I've heard yeah. is is true. Yes. It's, it's correct. Okay. He said, the first okay. thing you're going to do is bring that key down. <laughs> and uh, thank God he did. Because now he is uh, 40 years, 50 years later, I still can sing in that key because he brought it down. If I had mm. tried to sing everything up where I was trying to sing then, my career would have been over a long time ago. <laughs> and because of that, I, I'm still able to sing in that key. And uh, it wasn't it wasn't a problem. I don't know how much I liked it during that time, but it wasn't a problem bringing it down. But the songs were so great. When when you bring the key down and you start singing them songs, you're a fool if you don't see that it worked. You know, yeah, it worked. Yeah. everything they yeah. were doing and everything they were informing me and, and leading me to do worked. Mm -hmm. And you don't okay. argue, you know, you don't argue with success. With greatness, and, I understand that. Yeah, so you 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 do what you're supposed to do. Okay, so Russell, who were some of the um, falsetto singers? You know, at uh, we we mentioned uh, singers that you that inspired you early in your career. You had a lot of great falsettos that was around, especially during those uh, late '60s, early '70s. Who were some of the guys that you you know that you considered like stiff competition? Um, the Ebony's. There was a group called the Ebony's out during that time. Out of Camden, uh, New Jersey. From Camden, yeah. And I worked with them. He, um, his name was David Beasley. And, mm. and David Beasley had a wonderful tenor. Uh, there was another group I had to battle every weekend here in Philly. The group was called the Futures. Mm. They had a guy named Kenny Crew in that group that had yeah, a wonderful yeah. tenor, sang like Eddie Kenny. Was and then when I started working in New York, you know, when I started working in, in New York at the Apollo, there were so many tenors coming coming at you, you know, you didn't know what the hell to do. I mean, it was guys uh, <laughs> in a group called the Continental Four. 
there was a guy that sang tenor in a group called the Whatnots. Out of Baltimore. Guy and the tenors, but uh, all them tenors. Yeah, that that end up taking Smokey Robinson place. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Damon Harris that end up Oof. taking Eddie Kendrick's place. Glenn Leonard. Uh, uh, Glenn Leonard. Uh, Marvin Brown that sang mm. soft tone, one of the greatest tenors I ever heard in my life. Beautiful is- tone and control. Mm. Mm. And um, it was a lot of guys out there that had the rumble. <laughs> but, but what I would do different than all of them was the same thing I grew up listening to and, and emulating. I would sing women's songs. Mm. And that the flow of women's songs, the romanticism in the voice, especially coming from a man, would usually work good. I would sing Aretha Franklin. No man was trying to sing Aretha Franklin. I would sing Nancy Wilson. No man was trying to do that. And uh, I had a big jazz influence in my voice that was uh, different than the R&B singers. But it was, I mean, it was some guys out here that was smoking. I mean, uh, (laughs) Ryan Banks from the Dramatics. Woo, very unique, very distinctive. Oh man, it was some guys Johnny, out here. Johnny Carter. And, yep, and uh, Johnny Carter. Uh, Johnny Carter's my man. The Dells were like my pops. <laughs> they were the old heads. Yeah, I they were the OGs. They were, they were the OGs. Yeah, they were, they were the ones. The and um, I love working with them. They were some wonderful guys. I mean, beautiful. One, some of the best people I ever met in my life was in the Dells. And I, I never, I think of them. They pop in my head a lot when I'm just thinking, you know, because they were so nice. So that and they didn't have to be because a lot of people in this business, they're not nice. Mm, yeah, I've, I've heard. I, uh, they might sing their butt off, but a lot of them are not really nice. And it's highly competitive. Yeah, I, also, them guys wasn't trying to be competitive. They were good already. <laughs> have to be competitive. They already. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I interviewed um, Larry Dodson a while ago. I didn't mention one guy, and I never mentioned him. Nah, come on, let's and talk. I let's did. talk. And that's Billy Brown. Billy Brown, the thing with Ray Goodman the and moment, Brown, which were the, the moments. The moments. Billy, Billy Brown. Billy Brown is a fantastic mm. vocalist. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic vocalist. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, you didn't talk about being underrated. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and, and he's an old head too. He, he's, yeah, he's yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those brothers, those brothers was was amazing. Used to be on uh, uh, Sylvia. Used to record with Sylvia Robinson. Yeah, uh, all platinum. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, all platinum. Uh, Harry Ray. Harry Ray had the prettiest voice. Mm-hmm. Sitting on Rest top of the world. Yeah. I mean, Harry Ray, yeah. handsome Harry. I used to love the uh, handsome Harry. <laughs> okay, Harry had uh, all, uh, the, all the ladies. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That uh, I'm I'm in love. That's my. I love that one right there, buddy. Okay. Look at me, yeah, I'm in love. Man. Yep. Look at yeah, me, Harry, I'm in love. That's and Harry, Billy, and Al. They were very nice people too. They mm-hmm. and very very nice people. We toured together and worked many many years together. As if the one who uh, put me on to uh, talking with you 
uh, from the Manhattan. Gerald Austin. Austin. Gerald yeah. Austin's new album is amazing. Austin. Austin. <laughs> <laughs> and he Austin, ain't miss a beat. Yeah, that brother, he hasn't missed a beat. He hasn't he hasn't missed a beat. So so look, Russell, let's go back to this first album because we gotta this first album. I always tell a lot of people this self-titled first album is like a greatest hits project. There's 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 no songs that you can skip over, you know. Like everything could have been released a single, if you ask me, in my opinion. Um, your big girl now that was uh that reached number seven on the charts. Uh, stop look listen to your heart number six on the charts you are everything number nine on the chart which it, it charted higher on the pop charts than it did on the r&b charts which is amazing um you got betcha by golly wow that uh uh reached number two on the charts uh people make the world go round number six on the chart so i mean working with tom bell talk about that what was so special about Tom Bell's arrangements and the writing of him and Linda Creed. Talk about that a little bit. Well, first of all, when you're learning and recording them songs, you don't know that they're going to turn out to be. No way. You know, songs that would, yeah, you don't know that it's going to accomplish that. Actually, well, I didn't. I actually go in the studio. And the only thing I concentrated on was trying to do the best job that I could. Right. You know, I mean, I would be, it would be so much on my head. I mean, I would be singing the lyrics. I would be singing the songs and at the same time praying to God, please let me do the best job I possibly can. And I'm <laughs> singing and I'm singing, I'm putting my heart into it and I'm talking to God at the same time. And uh, once I'm finished, I go back on the road. I've always been a road guy. I've always been, I'm a saloon singer, man. Put me in a, in a club somewhere on stage with the band, and I, that's yeah. when I that's when I can shine. And no uh, next thing I know, I come home, even with your big girl now. We went in the studio and recorded that. But that's another uh, story I can tell you. When I we came out this. of high school, <laughs> yeah, when we came out of high school, we, uh, we had to either go back to school, as I said, or go to uh, go to the war or get a job. Mm. So we, you know, we out there hunting. Uh, me, Arian Love and myself, we went back to school. Arian went to school. He, he finished. I went to school for less than a year and I and I dropped back out of it because okay. our music career started started to build up, not not recording wise or whatever. Right. It was, it was a lot of work in Philadelphia at that time where you, you could work shows every weekend. I started doing that a lot. Okay. And uh, I had a couple of jobs. Day, I got day, jo day jobs. And I got one really, really nice job that I, uh, that I was going to keep, some warehouse work. My father had taught me how to drive a forklift when I was young. And uh, it was a good job for somebody who was... Uh, you know, 17, 18 years old, just coming out of high school. Aaron Love, he had, like I said, he had finished school and he got a job as a apprenticeship working with computers. Uh, Herm Morrell and James Dunn, they all had jobs also. But our manager at the time came to us and said, uh, I got a show for y'all to do in Newport, Rhode Island. Okay. 
two weeks. So that meant mm. we had to quit the jobs that we had. And that was a, mm. one of the biggest decisions we ever made. And we all decided that we would quit our jobs and, and go and do the show. And we worked in Newport, Rhode Island at this club called Hurley's. And our, our people would come up to see us while we were, you know, working. Um, my wife would come up to see me and, uh, you know, family members. And they said, right. Y'all got a hit. Y'all got a hit record in Philadelphia. What? <laughs> yeah, they playing this record like crazy. That was your big girl. Now. <laughs> so when we came yeah. home, we was like uh, semi stars. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Stars in Philadelphia. All of a sudden, we got a hit record. And that's when it first started to grow. Okay. When it, okay. When now, thing first started moving. Now, get back to the original question. <laughs> what, yeah, what was yeah. that again? Um, no, what you asked me right yeah. before I gave you that story. I was Talking asking, you know, like, how, yeah, how was it working with Tommy Bell? Uh, you know, the um, working with Tommy Bell and Linda Creed at that time, and 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 putting together these classic songs because that first album. That, again, that first album is like a greatest hits album. I remember now. You don't know that them songs are going to become that famous. Well, I did. You don't have any idea that you you just finished doing 10, 11 songs and they were going to be hits. You go back out mm -hmm. on the road. You start working again. And it's just like, when I know I went back to uh, talking about Hurley and that first week is while you're on the road you hear it again here's a song by the stylistics you're in houston texas you hear this. here's a song by the stylistics you're working over here you're in england somewhere you're working over there and you, you hear here's a new song by the stylistics and then you start becoming aware that what i did right. was something special yeah working yeah. with tommy bell everything they did at that time was he he had the midas touch yeah, the Midas Touch, because you you he you were you guys were his second group um, right. that he worked with exclusively because prior to you it was the Dale Phonics. So right. when when Tommy first heard you sing, what was it? Because I believe Tommy chose the artist that he wanted to sing with. So talk about that because from what I've heard, you know, kind of like yeah. with the with him, the, the the group that he worked with after you guys, which was the Spinners. But how did you guys connect as first as far as like initially meeting and him initially hearing your well, voice? What did he think about your voice and what did you think about his technique? Well, 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 Tommy Bell tells the story that when I came up to his office, he was listening to me to make up his mind that if he would work with me or not. And uh, he decided that he wanted to work with me. But I didn't look at it that way. <laughs> I was a, like a freak guy. I didn't care. When I went up there to start singing for Tommy <laughs> Bell, if Tommy Bell didn't want to sing with me, I mean, didn't want to work with me, I'd walk out the door and go someplace else. <laughs> I, you know, I was going to sing. I, 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 I've always been that way. I'm, yeah. I'm going out here to sing to make me some money to put some food on the table and put a roof over my head. Cause I used to call myself and anybody knew me back then, I call myself Tommy Tucker. I sing for my supper. 
And if I went up with Tommy Bell and he had said that he didn't want to work with me, I'd have moved on. So I look at it like I had just as much right to go up there. And if I didn't like this guy, because later (laughs) on, I I had some guys that I worked with that I didn't like. And I said, I ain't working with this guy. I said the same thing about him. But like I said, when you be a fool to not listen Mm -hmm. to someone who's trying to give you knowledge someone who's trying to teach you how to use the tools that you have someone who's giving you music that you love so much and the music why i loved it so much was like i said i grew up listening to dion wark Mm -hmm. when i heard tommy bell's music it it sounded so much like the way burt backrack's music was the music that dion sang yeah yeah so i kept my mouth shut and did what I was told. And I know I that's was, right. And did what I was told. But that didn't mean my mind wasn't working. You know, that didn't mean uh, somebody was yeah. leading me down the path and yeah, yeah. someplace that I didn't want to go. Okay, okay. So what? talk a little bit about uh, Linda Creed because a lot of people don't know uh, Linda Creed and, and know her contributions to the group. She wasn't a producer, but she did co-write uh, pretty much all of those songs. Um, as far as uh, uh, those early Philadelphia songs with start with you guys in the, in the spinner. So uh, talk, talk a little bit about Linda Creed. Well, when I went up and I first met Tommy Bell, he introduced me to Linda and I looked at Linda. I said, don't I know you? And I don't know if she remembered me, but I, I remembered her. I mean, Linda, Linda Creed was a gorgeous woman. I mean, you if you had ever saw her, you would never forget her. I've seen her. I've seen and her. I remember. Yeah, I remember working with her at the Wynn Ballroom in West Philadelphia, and her and her manager came in, and we had we I think we shared the same dressing room, and I remember her from then, and she sang the night. She had an excellent voice, and uh, when I went up there, that's when I met her. But she had her own office, and Tommy had his office, and I remember when I would go over to Linda Cree's office, Linda had a whole bunch of kids. I mean, while she in there writing them lyrics and writing them songs, her children was running all over the place in there. I remember that. Uh. But the greatest thing I remember is Tommy is teaching me these songs. Mm-hmm. And the songs are being written at the same time. And he's worked waiting for certain verses or certain lines to come in from her. And she'd come in, give him the paper. He'd read the line. He'd start playing and singing the line. And he either say, yay or nay. No, 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 no. Take this back. And she would take it back over there. And she'd work on it some more while we over there working. He's teaching me the melodies. She'd come back again, put the lyrics up there. He said, now you got it. And then we would, you know, further learn the songs from the things that she was writing at the same time. And it, it was like, a, it was very professional. And they had the talent. They had the talent. Mm-hmm. And I sat there, I kept my mouth shut <laughs> until it was time to sing. <laughs> I know that's right. That 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 uh again, it seemed like you know, when when Tommy Bell was working with the uh Delphonics, you could see that this guy is going to be a legend, but I feel like he really found his niche um when he got when he linked up with uh Linda Creed and he and nothing against uh uh, they were great. uh they were- William Hart. Nothing against William Hart because him and him and William I felt they worked very well together. Nothing against that. 
Oh that, man, uh, they were the songs. They were the they, they were legends. I have no, I don't have anything that negative was, to say about the Delphonics. Awesome. Well, that was my, my opinion, that was my that, that was my introduction to Tommy Bell, and I didn't know it. Right. The yeah, first yeah. time I had ever done a TV show, I was still in high school. I sang La La Means I Love You. And William, yeah. when you talk about a tenor, to me, William, now they had two tenors here. They had three tenors in Philadelphia during that time. And I was, I was, I think I was the youngest out of all of them. In fact, I knew I was the youngest out I, of them. I was just, yeah, I was pretty sure you were. <laughs> and uh, that was Eddie Holman. Hey there, Lonely Girl. Hey there, Lonely Girl. Yeah, yeah. And Ron Tyson from the Ethics, who is the tenor with the Temptations right Tempt now. And wrote, uh, wrote a lot and, of songs. Yep. And uh, William Hart. Mm. So I listened to them. I sang all their songs and, you know, and, and learned them songs. And I love all three of them. I love everything they all yeah. have done. But I think the one that was more, that had more influence on the way that I sing out of the three of them was William Hart. Mm -hmm. William Hart had a beauty to his voice that was, mm. uh, that was very exceptional. And, uh, I found out later on why he his voice was like that and who he emulated. Who's that and why? That was little Anthony. Imperials. Yes. And he and little Anthony was like the guy in yeah. early 60s, you know, for all of us. Yeah, tenors. yeah. Now he ended up he ended up hey. coming to Philadelphia to record a project it, you know, before Lee. Eddie Kendrick. Yeah, no, no, I'm saying like later, like I believe in the early oh, 70s, yeah, he, he, he did a project. Anthony he, for everybody. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, Tommy Bell produced an album with uh, with, with those yeah. guys later on. <laughs> but the the Little Anthony and Imperial's hits were written by mm -hmm. a guy named Teddy Rendazzo. Teddy Rendazzo. And Oof. I did two albums. I did two albums with Teddy Rendazzo that are some of my most favorite work that I ever done. Mm. It's something about and the album was not a hit. You you probably never heard none of the songs. I, I have. You talk about those albums on Mercury. Yeah. But I, when I, I want to <laughs> sit down and listen to myself, because yeah. I don't listen to myself a lot. Yeah, but yeah. when I want to hear myself, I put them albums on. Those, I those, did Teddy and Dazzle. I, 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 want, I, I, look at those, I listen to those albums, and I'm just... I'm like, man, I really feel like Mercury just, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know what Mercury's thinking. We, we, we're going to get into that later. We're yeah. going to get into that later. But uh, yeah, I, I love your, your, your work with uh, Teddy Rendanzo. So, so at the time, you guys here in Philadelphia, Kenneth Gamble and Huff, they started Philadelphia International. They got the intruders. They have the OJs and the Manhattan. It's just the sound of Philadelphia is just taking over not just philadelphia but it's taken over the world so talk to me and tell me how was it like just walking into sigma sound studio knowing that you're working with some of the best musicians from earl young and ronnie baker norman harris bobby eli did you ever realize like this i'm a part of history no they were just guys to me 
I don't know if it's the North Philly in me or whatever, but they were just guys to me, making music. <laughs> they were good. They could play it well, but yeah. it didn't mean nothing to me. You know, yeah. I was down there to do one thing, work with Tommy Bell and make the best job that I possibly can. I met all them yeah. guys. I still see them, you know, whoever's still alive. I see them. I still see yeah. them. And they were very yeah. good. Yeah. You know, I found out how great they were later. But when I first met them, they were just some guys. I, you know, how you doing? How you feeling? <laughs> I'm down here to do certain songs. So, you know, yeah. that's it. But um, that's that no Philly in you. <laughs> yeah. You know, because, uh, you know, I don't know you. Yeah. Yeah. But I found out that they all played on these great songs and great musicians. And, and they were wonderful guys, too. You know, a lot of them became friends, you know, over the years. And uh, I, I grew up, me and my wife grew up with Teddy Pendergrass. I was just about so to ask about that. Whenever I would go down, whenever I would go down and see the Blue Notes, and they were at 309 or at Sigma and see them, you know, I would talk to Teddy, you know, whenever me and my wife would see Teddy when we was out, we were shopping, we would all talk to each other because we've known each other since we were kids. I think I met Teddy when I was about nine years old. But the Blue Notes, a very impeccable group. Not only could they sing, but they, was, they were, I would believe, the most professional mm. stage-wise out of all the groups that came out of Philly. The movements, the hand movements, the singing, the dancing. I mean, they would. They, um, we would love to. Everyone, we would finish getting off stage. to run out there and uh, and watch them, and you know, watch them do their show because it was it was so wonderful. You can go on YouTube now and watch them. They're so smooth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've only, yeah. Seen, I've only seen one other group that would outdance them and be more smooth than them, and that's them pips. The pips, <laughs> man. Where, where, I, I swear um, that that the falsettos, man. To me, I, you know, uh, in, in Philadelphia, to me, it, the 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 trifecta, so to speak, has always been you, Ted Mills, and William Hart. So talk about that, that because you know when we look at the Mount Rushmore. If you ask anybody that knows falsetto singing, especially Philadelphia, they're going to mention you. They're going to mention Teddy, Teddy Mills, and they're going to mention Poogie Hart. So talk about your relationship with those guys. And did you guys ever have like any, was there ever any like a little rivalry between y'all? I want to apologize right now on air. <laughs> I know it. For not putting Ted's voice in in that category that it's okay and, and, I'll, and i'll explain the reason why let's go let's because go me and ted didn't have a rivalry but i had mm. a rivalry with ted's producer who was norman harris no nope. and norman Talk harris played on all tommy bell he was the the but guitar norman harris came in my face <laughs> yeah i saw norman at a party one night Talk and about it. came in my face talking about, I don't care what you do, as long as you out here, there's going to be a blue magic on your tail. Like, I give a damn. <laughs> I didn't care. I didn't care who was on my tail. I really did not care who sang better than me. I really yeah. did not care how great their records were or anything right, like right, that. Right. 
Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And and I found out later on why I felt that way. Now, what's that? We all got guns. So when we come on stage, if it's going to be a shootout, we all got guns. Yes, sir. So my bullet got Tommy Bell's name written on it. <laughs> oh! <laughs> I, know that. I know that's right. That's the secret don't, weapon right don't there. Let, don't let me shoot first. Don't let one of them Tommy <laughs> Bell bullets hit your ass. It's all over. So I never cared. You can sing as yeah. straight as you want to. But when I came out and sang Bet You By Golly Wow, it was over. It was over. It was over. But Ted, Ted, was Ted over. Are the best, me and Ted are the best of friends. Out of everybody, out, out of everybody that we talked yeah, to most. Yeah. I talked most oh, with man. Ted. And I, to this day? Oh, yeah. Wow. I, don't, I usually talk to Ted at least once a month. Ted is Ted is a very unique man. He's a very. I know he's man. into like a lot of he's into a lot of the like magic and things of that yeah. nature. He, he's a he's a he's a deep thinker. I'll just say that he's a very deep he's thinker. Mystical. But Ted, he's mystical, yeah. Very very great voice. I mean, Ted. When I first heard Ted, but see, yeah. I knew Ted before he was with Blue Magic. After okay. we finished, after we finished your big girl now my producer on that song was a guy by the name of lee uh lee uh what's leon leon i know I just li, li, leon i'm having a marty, moment with leon no, no didn't leon marty, marty marty bryant marty bryant wrote, marty bryant wrote what, the song. What, okay okay so was a uh, leon mitchell leon mitchell okay. was the producer okay when after we Hold on, let me let me just say this real quick before you say something. Real quick, real quick. That was the only song on that first album that wasn't produced by Tommy Bell. Correct. Right. Okay, go ahead. That's and it. That's Leon all. Mitchell did. Leon Mitchell is a Philadelphia legend. He okay. worked with the uh, with almost all the artists. Uh, Leon Mitchell might have produced Tommy Bell if, if Tommy wow. did an album because Leon is the old head. And Leon did our, our record, but Leon introduced us to Ted Mills after we did Your Big Girl Now, and Ted had songs for us, but we right. never ended up recording them. And that's when I that's when I first met Ted. But then when I heard you must have put a spell on your mind, I said, Here I go again. I got more competition. Another tenor coming to knock me off. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, that competition was. By the time I heard Ted, I was used to it. Yeah. The one that the one that really got me when I already know competition when I was already know. Yeah. I was I was shaving or I was doing something in the bathroom, and that's when me and my wife first got together. We were living down. We had a small little apartment, and she we were young then. I was eighteen. Okay. And. I'm listening to this the radio, and all of a sudden, I hear this, oh, girl, I'll be in trouble if you trouble leave me now. Eugene Record, Eugene Record of the Shylights, of the Shylights, Jesus, Jesus Christ. I used to think that I'm not, I, I, I used to think. 
that they was from Philadelphia. I, I thought they was from Philadelphia. I didn't. I didn't. I did not put together that the Shylites meant Chicago. Yep. Chicago. Yeah. So I, you know, to me, man, it was it was you, Teddy, William, and 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 Eugene Record. That was like, man. That's the one that, <laughs> that knocked me to my knees. See, but, heard- <laughs> but the thing with Eugene, though, he wouldn't always sing it like you guys always sang in that falsetto. He was sometimes singing in his tenor voice. Yeah. So I didn't. I, I don't. I don't know. I don't want to. It's hard for me to put him in that because he sang both. Like but you see, know. But see, I sang natural also, but. You couldn't really tell unless you're listening to it real good, or I'm sitting there with you to show you where my natural came in at. My natural was very close no, no. to my falsetto, so yeah, I could go right, straight right. into it. Right, I right. sing more the way that Eugene sings now at my age. I use a lot more natural than, right. than falsetto. I use them both, right. you know, because of age. No. Right, but, right. Uh, Eugene. Mm-hmm. But see, Gene sang like that because Gene was a songwriter. Yeah, he wrote all those songs. And and out of all the singers, Gene was a musician. Mm-hmm. William Hart is a musician. Both of them play guitar. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ted played piano. I didn't okay. become a musician until I was fifty until I was fifty years old. Mm. I never played no Were instrument you? or anything Were like that. And okay. when I left the stylistics in 99, mm-hmm. I was having trouble with my voice and trouble with the group. And I right. I quit. And when I quit, Lord. man. Yeah, and when I we quit, get the, we get we, we get the, we get a little ahead of ourselves, Russell. <laughs> okay, I want, I want I was, to, I, 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 I yeah, yeah, yeah. Slow down, slow down, because because Russell, this brother, this is stuff that the people want to hear. They right. want to know about these classic albums. So I want to go. Right. So 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 that first album takes off. Right. You know that first album take off. So here we are. We head into the second project, second round knockout. Uh, first round single, two. round two. I'm sorry, I call mm-hmm. it second. Yeah, round two, round two, and and. The first single you got, I'm stoned in love with you, and you got break up to make up, and you got you'll never get to heaven if you break my heart. Now, tell me when you got these songs, you had to know which one of these songs you knew that was just going to be out of there because you, you had to know, Russell. I'm sorry. No, I still didn't know, but the only thing I liked was I was doing my girl song. I was doing You Never Get to Heaven. And I had sang that song so many times sitting in the basement, singing along with Dion Warwick. Dion Warwick, yep. That was my first Dion Warwick song that I had yeah. ever done. Now, whose and idea? Whose idea? Whose idea was that? Tommy to Bell. That? Tommy Bell? Okay. Tommy Bell. Tommy Bell's idea was to do uh, Dion Warwick. And Tommy Bell's idea was to do, uh, what's her name? It's too late. Um, Carol King. Carol King. King. Carol King. King. That was his 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 choice. Okay. And uh, it worked. It worked. It worked. You, uh, 
You'll never get to heaven. I I still love to sing that on stage now. I love you'll never get to heaven. Yeah. And uh I still didn't know. I'm I forget. You, I, I forget that DLC. I was, I was coming back in the studio and I was still cutting. Wow. Years were going past. I mean, I'm working, I'm I'm on the road. Uh I'm singing so much on the road that my voice is like tired. When it was time to come back home to record, I wasn't right all time because i've been singing so much we go on the road with james brown we were 35 one-nighters it was killing <laughs> wow. me it was i mean it was actually killing me but at the same time it was making me strong because after from working them gigs with james brown and then later on in my career i had to work even harder than that mm. and i started uh i had to do all kinds of things just to get the show done okay it was okay. so much work. But um, I remember round two is when I first start. My voice was different than on the first okay. album. And then by the time oh, I got the Rock and Roll Baby, it was different too. I was I was more down into my natural on Rock and Roll Baby than I was on mm -hmm. any of the stuff that I had ever done with Bell. And that was because of the work. I mean, just right. you can't be on the road and work and sing and sing and sing and sing and then go mm -hmm. in the studio and expect to do your best work. I've always yeah. done my best work that when I can come home and I can have me like two or three weeks off. Mm. Get, get to let rest. my voice, yeah, totally yeah. come yeah. back. But I never had that luxury back then. Because mm. you, know? mm. you guys were everywhere. You guys were on Soul Train. You guys were on tours. You guys were on the uh, Don Kirshner rock concert. I mean, you guys, we were, we were touring. everywhere, we were everywhere. Touring. Because that, that's the only way you can make some money. We hadn't made no money off no records. The only way we can make money was to go on the road. Okay. Cause, and, 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 and another thing you, you sang all of the leads. You pretty much sang like Aaron did not start singing leads until I believe, um, the rock and roll baby project and, th and that's only like one lead i believe no. on you make me feel brand new he didn't sing no yeah that that's that's that, the that, only that's it that's he it he sang a harmony part on you make me feel brand new and he sang lead on on uh, you make me feel brand new none of the guys in the stylistic sang on any of bell stuff none of them okay let me stop that you for, for a second because i let, let's touch on this let's touch on this this has been a rumor that I've heard for years. Now, what I've noticed by being a diehard Stylistics fan, the biggest Stylistics fan on the earth, the biggest Philadelphia music fan on this earth, what I've noticed that when I hear the Stylistics, the background vocal sounds like a woman. Yeah. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, is that Linda Creed and Tommy Bell? Linda Creed has been on them. And it was a, a, a female a background singing group that sang on all them records. One was called Barbara, 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 Barbara Ingram, Ingram, Yvette. And I forget her girl. It's the Angels. And hold on, hold on. On. Say, that, say, say, that, say that one more time because it broke up. And uh, No, say those three women again one more okay. time. because It, it would be Barbara kind of Ingram. Mm -hmm. The Philly Angels. It would be uh, Barbara Ingram, Yvette, and I can't remember the third girl's name right this minute. But they would right. sing on all the backgrounds for 
all of Kenny Gamble and Tommy Bell's stuff that the Three Degrees didn't sing on. You know, that's how I noticed that. I and, noticed and that. Bell, Bell didn't like the sound of, of, of the stylistics. So when you would hear the male parts on the harmony, it would either be Tommy Bell, myself, a DJ by the name of Carl Helm, uh, Phil Hurt. Kenny Gamble sang on some of the stuff also because Kenny is a very, very good singer. I heard, and uh, I heard. that were the male, but none of none of the none of the group ever worked on them until we we got with Chanel Records, and that's another story too. So when when did so so when he agreed to record the stylistics? How come he didn't just pick you? Just he didn't you? agree to sing to record the stylistics. He agreed to record me. I just happened to be in the stylistics. Wow, that is I'm that is only, that that's legend. I'm the only that's, one he took in the studio. So the, so the so the guys never really came. They never came to the studio. Basically, what you're telling me? They never sang in the studio until we came back to Philly International in 1980. TSOP. The TSOP uh, improv. Okay. We did the Harry up this way again stuff. They now, came on on the, that's when they started. Now they did sing on, but they um, you sang know, live. on else, though. Oh yeah, well that's the other story I was going to mention. Let's talk. When we left working with Tommy in 1973, I was going to quit the group. I really could. I mean, we were starting to have dissension. There was problems going on, and I was singing everything, everything, and I was and I was getting a little pissed off about a lot of shit. And I oh, sat down. I sat down and I talked with Eddie Kendricks. And mm, Eddie Kendricks, temptation. Yeah, he talked me in the stand with the He told me, Well, you know how many people you feeding, you know how many people depending on what you're doing. You know, I mean, you know, he gave me that whole rap and I and I took it in and I stayed mm-hmm. for another thirty-three years. And um when we signed with H and L, one of the stip relations I had working at HL Hugo Louise on their record company was he got to start letting the guys in the group sing background mm-hmm. because people are constantly saying you don't sound like the record. Mm. Yeah. Oh, let me way. say this. I gotta I, I I gotta I gotta stop you for a second because I listened to you perform. I've been watching just videos old footage of the stylistics and you sound i'm surprised of how amazing you sound live because not that i ever doubted you as a singer but singing in that range it's very hard to duplicate that from what i've seen in my 40 plus years on stage but when i've i've seen i've i've been watching you perform a lot of these songs live brother you sound amazing so i say that to say this like you know talk about uh, you know uh, uh hugo and, and and luigi now starting to allow the the, the other guys singing because it it, it it sounds different i'm not going like you just said to your point they don't sound yeah. like 
the guys on record. You can clearly hear a female's voice, right. especially in the background. You can clearly hear, yeah. hear females' voices. So talk about that a little bit. Right. So um, when I signed with H&L, and I, I, I stipulated to the fact that I would like to have the guys, you know, sing more on the records, uh, we got lucky again. We worked with a very good producer who also sang, who at first didn't want to use the group either, and then he started using them, and that was with Bam McCoy. Bam from Washington, D.C. Yeah. So we uh, worked with Van, and Van gave us new because the, the records that we recorded on H&L wasn't, wasn't accepted very well here in the United States. That Let's Put It All Together and mm. some of the songs uh, that was on that album, uh, a lot I of people yeah, didn't, didn't like them songs, but they did in the rest of the world. In the UK, yeah, in Europe, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not just there, the rest of the world. the world. Yeah, yeah. That's when when our records went down and we wouldn't get much work, yeah, we was yeah. traveling all over the world. <laughs> Man. Communist yeah. countries, Romania, <laughs> uh, wow. Saudi Arabia, Bahrain, Australia, uh, Indonesia, mm. we everywhere. Them records were was, was selling along with the original ones. Right, the right. new stuff was selling all over there. We had double platinum albums on Can't Give You Anything But Love. Mm. Can't Give You Anything But Love was the precursor to Do The Hustle. Woo, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because exactly. really, he's, he's, Van McCoy started working with you guys first, really. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And a lot of the songs that we did for him sounded like Do The Hustle. It did, it and did. And Hustle out there, in the world. Yeah, because he was Ruffin. working with david ruffin and and he, he was working with you guys right before he started working now did you guys ever run across you know david ruffin around that time yeah yeah i, so I know he david. was uh he did walk, uh, walk away from love i worked with david ruffin on the original soul train before it went nationwide it was a local uh program chicago. in chicago and chicago. i worked with david ruffin on on that show mm -hmm. and okay. uh I had met the patients when I was about 15 years old. Um, mm. That manager I told you that had the idea of taking the stylistics and the percussions to put them uh, both together. Okay. She knew the Temptations bodyguard. His name mm. was uh, Benny Wilburn. Okay. Benny Wilburn got us an introduction to go in to see the Temptations and sing for them when I was about 15 at the Latin Casino. Wow. And I sang that night for them it what had did you to sing? be at least five years. uh probably one of their songs i can't remember okay. exactly because i was doing them all i was doing with these hands i was doing everything that eddie did and about five years later i saw eddie at the apollo theater one of the groups mm -hmm. he was managing called the possums was working with us uh on that show they had a tenor that was great too his name was rick i don't remember his last name but eddie managed him and when i went up to him and said how you doing uh, mr kendrick's how you feeling and he said i remember you <laughs> and he remembered me from what i sang for him back uh five years earlier okay and so i met ruffin that night too i, I met the whole group 
And I didn't mm. see Ruffin anymore until I did that uh, that show at uh, Don Cornelius had in local in uh, Chicago. Okay, you because you guys been on Soul Train. How many times have you have you guys performed on Soul Train? I think I think three times. Okay. okay. But you know, you go in there, you might cut two songs. They might only show one, and then later they show the other song. You know, a lot of shows do that. You know, they don't show everything that you did while you were on there. Right, right, right. So I want I want to go back for a second. We you mentioned you, we we kind of got a little ahead of ourselves, and it's okay because again, man, we we'll be all day talking about every project, and I'm not going to do that. But this particular song, um, "You Make Me Feel Brand New," um, from the uh, Rock and Roll Baby album. Now that song from that album, it wasn't released as a single. But then on Let's Put It All Together, you guys put it on that. Now, whose idea was that? And why wasn't that song released as a single? That was a big argument. That was a big argument we had. Let's talk about it. When it was out on the Rock and Roll Baby album, Mm -hmm. I think we were singing the song on the road. Mm. And we would go back up to the record company and tell the record company, you should put this record out as a single. And uh, they kept saying, no, 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 no. And we kept telling them and kept telling them, kept telling them. What? And eventually they came around. I don't know who got to them or whatever, but they came around and they yeah. put it out. And, mm-hmm. and they put it out and it, and it went all over the world. It was the biggest record we ever made. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The number one seller was You Make Me Feel Brand New. So, and so. it, it sold so so well that they put it on two albums yeah i noticed that because i you know me like i said i wasn't born around that time but when i look i own all every album by the stylistics and i look at rock and roll baby and then i look at let's put it all together and i'm like why is this song on both albums and then i go a little bit deeper and i realized that for all these years i i recently just found out that the, when it when that song was released as a single, it came off the "Let's Put It All Together" album. I always thought it, I always thought it was released as a single off the Rock and Roll Baby project, and the single that was released off that one was Rock and Roll Baby. There you go, Rock, <laughs> Rock and, Roll, and Roll, Baby. Roll Baby. Rock and Roll Baby, which re- reached number three on it. It did well. It did very well. It did number. It was the I believe that and Peekaboo was the uh, songs released off that album, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, you know more than me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but that was the only song that charted. Now, um, it, right. it charted. It charted number three. Rock and Roll Baby charted number three. My son, he loves that song. Um, matter of fact, I like my, doing is, it. Is, is my hey, hey baby? Is my daughter around here? Hey, tell her to come here. Bring her over here. Come here, princess. I wanted her to meet you. When when she was a little girl, I used to play. This is my son. This is my daughter right here. She's she's well, I can't, now I can see her. Hi. Sit down. Hello. This is this this is um <laughs> this is Mr. Uh Russell Tompkins Jr. Um he's the lead singer of the stylistics. Hi, Hi. Hey. Yeah, yeah. Hey, how you doing? When they they how can't you? hear you. They can't hear you. I just want them oh, okay. I told them. They here, baby. <laughs> how y'all doing hi i'm doing good okay <laughs> and this is my son say hello uh malak hello russell tom 
Junior. Okay. I brought I brought my kids here because when they was children, little, very little, they're still children. When they was little, I used to play um rock and roll baby for my son. Oh, and he used to he used to cut up when he used to hear that song. And she used to like, you're a big girl now. I used to play that for her when she was a little girl, when she was like one, two years old. Yeah, Tommy Bell wrote that rock and roll baby for his son. Yeah, see, yeah. He, he just said Tommy Bell wrote rock and roll baby for his son. So wow. She said wow. <laughs> yeah, so I had to, this is, this is, this is, this is him. This is the original lead singer, Daddy. baby girl. Okay. All right, y'all go back. Go back. That's it. <laughs> All right. Okay, so that's okay. With that, yeah. So I had to. I mentioned. I had to mention that song because I know it. 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 It, it went. It didn't go number one, but it went number three, and it went number fourteen on the pop charts. It still was a great song. I love that. That. Uh, that period of the stylistics of you guys working with Tommy Bell and Linda Cree. So. What led to the uh, separation and, and you guys end up working with uh, Hugh? You know, you guys up, uh, not working with Tommy and Linda uh, after 73. Tommy, Tommy just moved on. The only thing I heard was when I was time to go back up to the record company to see Hugo and Luigi, they told me that I would not be working with Tommy Bell anymore. And I almost went ballistic. I... Uh, I was that's during that time I said I talked to Eddie Kendricks when I was ready to roll. I mm -hmm. said, damn, we ain't, I'm not gonna be working with him no more. Things is not gonna be the same. But mm -hmm. you know, the record company give you a, a bargain or give you I will, they give you something you can't refuse. <laughs> <laughs> and if you don't mind sharing that, you, you can or you don't have to. Nah, don't, nah, worry don't worry about it. Don't worry. <laughs> Don't worry about that. So, 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 talk about that a little bit. You know, tell me about. Oh man, you you. And uh, I'm glad I did because uh, it was really a pleasure working with Fam McCoy. Yeah, I yeah. didn't like some of the songs that he and Luigi was giving giving me. It was starting to become a time where the songs they weren't they weren't that great, and they were different. It was so much different. And uh, I remember something happened to me during that period that really, I didn't realize until I got older. But uh, the person who I grew up with that babysitted me and taught me almost everything about listening to music was my Aunt Tilly. Mm -hmm. And during that time, when I saw my Aunt Tilly, she said, I don't like your songs no more. You singing white people music. Mm. And for somebody in my family, you know, that first introduced me to music and, and, and raised me to say that to me, it really broke my heart. Mm. So when I started working with some of the songs with Hugo Luigi, that was just too much over the line. Yeah. I started saying no. Now, now my question, and I don't, please don't forget what you're about to say again, because you, you, um, you're giving me some great content, great content. But the question that me being, a, again, a diehard stylistics fan, I want to know, did they produce any of those early songs? Now, I know they wrote a lot of those songs, but when they did they? So they, they wrote, 
they wrote and produced those songs. Yes, along with Van McCoy and a couple other people they had working with them. But mm -hmm. they produced it. They were the ones that worked in the studio and did everything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They, were, you, they you were thorough. They were thorough. No. Everything they done. The, song, the songs were great for someone else. They weren't yeah. for us. They weren't for a black artist. I think your your last your your last uh you know top uh ten hits you know was on that heavy project you know with with those guys uh, let's put it all together I love that one I'm sorry heavy falling out that reached number four uh, let let's put it all uh, put it all together that reached number eight uh, thank you baby was number seven so you you guys you, you guys were, were still yeah, yeah, they were coming up with some nice songs, and and we did the nice songs, but some of the songs were a little bit over the line. You know, some of the songs were something that they weren't bad songs, but some of the right. songs they wrote right. should have been on Broadway. Mm. Should have been in show, one show of them tunes. plays or one of them shows, show, something like show that. Show tunes, yeah, yeah, show tunes, yeah, yeah. yeah. And but no, they, they just wasn't for us, and no, I, I had to. Uh, I had to back off, you know, and say, look, I don't want to do this. I don't want to sing the songs. And they never pushed me, you know, if I would explain to them why I didn't like it or whatever. They never, I never had no problems with them with them type of songs. Mm -hmm. But I was young at that time. And the reason why I wasn't doing it, I'd like to say I wasn't doing it because I knew that they weren't my type of songs. And I knew that they should have been something else. That's what I know now. But then right. the only thing I knew was I didn't like it. And I would say, yeah. I don't understand. It was it's a it's a big difference coming leaving yeah. leaving Tom Bell and working right. with those. Like you can yeah. you can clearly hear it in the music. It, it seems a little. It seems like that mid seventies was very discoish, you know, right. very discoish, and, and, and it wasn't the lushness wasn't the lucky. same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got lucky. We got lucky that the world the world yeah. pushed us further. After Tommy mm -hmm. Bell, the world still accepted what we did. The United mm. States didn't, okay. but the world, but the, but the world did. Mm. But um, I can't, I can't say the United States didn't. We just had a different audience after that. Right. We didn't right. have the, the black audience like we had with the first three albums. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. other people in the country got into us. Them, uh, I'll tell you them that that can't give you anything but love was a record that was monstrous. I love, I love, yeah, yeah. I think it should have went. It only went number eighteen, but I swear I'm surprised that 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 song didn't it went reach double platinum. Yeah, in and yeah. England. It should have went higher in the states. It should at least been a top five record in the states because it, of it. I love it, that song. It didn't have the exact ingredients yet. From yeah, Van McCoy, yeah. mm -hmm. Van put the other ingredients into. into the <laughs> hey, with, with Russell, talk about Van. He, you know, he's one of my favorite uh, artists. You know, of the 1970s, man. He's a native fellow, native Washingtonian. Uh, he died back in 1979 of a heart attack. Uh, talk about uh, Van McCoy a little bit. What do you remember most about Van McCoy? Great singer, quiet man. Mm -hmm. Uh, stay here in my home, mm -hmm. and we talked. We talked a lot about uh, why I would ask Van questions like, "Van, 
I, I hear a lot of other greater singers out here than myself. Uh, why is my record selling and a lot of theirs are not selling? And um, he, he would he would talk to me about the ingredients of how mm. everything has to come together at the same time. Mm. The business, the airplay, the time, yeah. and a good recording and a good uh, and a good record company that will be behind you and what you're doing. Okay. If you don't have all the ingredients, it don't work. Even with the Tommy Bell stuff, you know. You had to have guys out there that was running to the radio stations and talking to them people and getting them to play them records. Or yeah. you or you would have just had a great album and, yeah. <laughs> and it, was ever heard it. it was a lot of those back then. Yeah, so you had to have all the ingredients to make a hit record. And he would explain, you know, you have the touch right now. You you, you do. people are listening <laughs> to you. And it, uh, because I didn't want to work with him because I didn't want to work with nobody but Tommy Bell mm -hmm. until I got a chance to talk to him and him teaching me certain things. You know, I learned a lot from him also, working uh, working in the studio, singing, because I learned to do backgrounds working with uh, Van McCoy because they didn't okay. want the other guys to sing backgrounds. So when they did sing background, I sang background with them at the same time. Hold on, hold on, time out, time I mean, out, uh, uh, time out. Because I, I, I remember you said Tommy Bell didn't want the guys singing background. So I thought they Hugo started Luigi to sing. Didn't want him either. Hugo Luigi didn't want him either. That's what. That's who I had to talk to to get him in there. Okay, Hugo. not even Aaron. Aaron was. Arian, I talked to Tommy Bell and I told Tommy Bell, let Arian come in. Arian singing lead. That was on, before, on, a few, on a few songs, like with Hugo and Luigi. That was before they uh Tommy even heard Arian sing lead. Yeah, because he's he's, he's on he's on the, the miracle, uh go now, uh the miracle uh uh you know you got herb on, she did a number on me. All of that happened after I sat down and talked to them about bringing right. them in the studio. Okay. Gotcha. And when I mean them, I don't mean Aaron. They wanted to use Aaron after you make me feel brand new. Yeah, I they thought he heard, had, I thought he had a pretty good voice. But the other guys, the other guys, they had doubts. Whew, man. I, I, and believe I'm it just recent. I had no idea, but, man. Believe it or not. Believe it or not, there's a lot of groups out here who are like that. I heard about the Motown groups being like that, where they would bring other people in to sing them background. Yeah, I heard. They so. had girls, too. Yeah, yeah. They had girls that sang on them Supreme yeah. songs when Mary Wilson and them didn't sing. Yeah, I've heard. That's Hey, Mr. Tonka's off air, Russell, off air. I want I, I to talk about that because I've heard a couple of... It, I, I consider myself a music aficionado and things that I've been finding out recently talking to artists. I'm just so surprised, you know, I'm so surprised. I had no idea that some of these background uh, singers, you know, they wasn't singing, you know, yeah. but I know you, but Hey, what they would say, Russell Tompkins Jr. was bringing it. Cause I saw, I, I saw it firsthand 
on the Don Kirshner uh, 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 Rock concert. You did like four songs. You destroyed it, brother, in, in, in that range, man. Like how difficult was that? Like being able to carry a group singing in that range. What was that like? Because the burden was on you. The the it was it wasn't hard to do it at any time. It was only hard when you had to go to Japan and work nine days straight. Mm. Then have one day off that was a travel day to go to another part of the company country, then sing for nine more. Wow. And then finish working there, staying in Japan for a whole month of working which is right. probably about four days off or three days off, flying to Hawaii, singing in Hawaii the day after you get there, or either going to Guam and singing the day after you get there, right? flying back and doing another show the day after whatever in California, mm. and coming back to the East Coast, maybe having a couple of days off and singing again. Wow. And years wow. and years and years of doing that would get this but i mm. i i got the job done yeah yeah i yes. only missed a few dates in my whole career mm -hmm. and when i did miss a date or something like that i didn't get hey man yeah all you need to do is get some rest i got anger mm. i got treated like i work for you man what's wrong with you man why you can't do your show man what's going on why are you missing this and this, right. why are you doing that? Mm. You know, I, I got that. Right. And it started putting anger in me. And I started saying, I got to get out of here. Years and years and years. I'm not talking about a couple of years, five years. I'm talking about 30 years, 35 years, to the point where my voice shut off. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I, can, I, I, I stopped singing one time for three years. Mm. Just like Sinatra. Sinatra stopped for three years when yeah. he had both trouble. But I went back to school. I started okay. studying music. I started mm. studying piano. And after a little bit of time, right after that, I felt it coming back. <laughs> now, what, 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 now you said you felt it coming back. Was it, you know, because during the 90s, you had this 70s resurgence. Everybody wanted to attach themselves to something from the 70s so what was it was it that or was it you know when you mean this resurgent was it your voice or just the feeling of wanting to wanting to continue to do music again wanting to continue okay the whole time the band and other singers i knew here in philly was kept telling me come on russ man let's put a group back together i ain't want to come back out I was feeling fine doing what I was doing. I was going to school. I was working out. But that basketball stuff in me started bothering me, too. <laughs> Them guys was taking my music. They was getting another lead singer. He was singing all this. And everybody was talking about this, about him, and all that stuff. Taking my work that I had been making for 35 years. Yeah. I said, nah, nah. Yeah, I hear you. Nah, let me go back out of here and get my and get my excuse me, get my shit. No, nah, no, nah, you good, brother. <laughs> and 
I started working out. I started running. I started running half marathons. I was playing ball again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and me and Kenneth Thompson, my musical director. Okay. We start putting a new group together. That's when we got the new stylistic. Now, who what uh who does that consist of? Uh, Raymond Johnson. Raymond Johnson sang with the stylistics when we did Harry up after Harry up this way again. The three albums after that that we did with Philly International, Closer Than Close, uh, 1980 something we did with uh, 1982. Yeah, 1980. So let's say on that. But Ray grew up with us. Ray. The guys that was in the Monarchs group later put another group called Portrait and Black together. And Ray was in there and the stylistics okay. managed them. So Ray's mom and my mom were buddies. Me and Ray started writing music together. When we lost one of the other members in the stylistics, uh, James Smith, Ray took his place. And now, Ray- what you mean, What do you mean you lost one of the members? Well, he didn't die, but uh, he, he had to leave the group, James Smith. Oh, okay. And Ray took his place. Okay. And, and Ray stayed in the group from the middle 80s until about 93 or something, mm-hmm. something like that. And then he left. Okay. But me and Ray still were tight. Right. And Kenneth Thompson was still the band leader of the Stylistics until they uh, they fired the whole band. Because the band was too loyal to me after I left. Well, that band came back to me three years later with Kenneth Thompson, yeah. and we put a whole new thing together. Mm. And that's that's the new stylistics. And one of the guys who sang with Ray in Portrait in Black, Black was Jonathan Buxton, and he came along with me. And remember the guy that I told you that I used to go to the corner store and sing David Ruffin and, and Eddie Kendrick songs with? Yeah, yeah. His cousin that did choreography, he came yeah. with me too. Because when, when we first started with <laughs> wow. the music, it was four of us. Okay. So it, it was still Philly grown. Philly, yeah, yeah. Philly grown. Yeah, no doubt. So, so speaking of Philly grown, you know, you guys went on to record, you know, uh, um, now that at one time it was Afco, then it was Hugo Luigi. Now, I want I don't want to take too much time on this, but I I, I want to know this. Now, was Hugo and Luigi records? Afco was is are they the one and the same? Uh, no, I think well, Afco was a motion picture company, Afco Embassy Movies. But it was created, uh, huh? No, it was created because I, I the reason why I asked that because from my research it was created by Hugo Luigi and uh, uh, Levine, Joseph Levine. Yeah. Yeah, but Afco Embassy owned the company. And Afco Embassy was Pioneer Insurance, Diners Club credit card, and they had something else. And we were Afco Embassy. What Hugo and Luigi did was buy the record company from Afco Embassy and became HL. Okay. He okay, so, they bought. so okay after yeah. they bought the, the, the record aspect of it from them that's when it became h&l records okay okay so you you guys did a couple of projects on uh uh mercury records you did uh you know in fashion you did love spell on mercury records and then you end up like i said philadelphia 
you back in, uh, you know, you're working with Kenneth Gamble and Leon Huff on their TSOP uh, imprint. Now, what led yep. you to working with, uh, you know, Kenneth Gamble and Leon, joining uh, Kenneth Gamble and Leon Huff's uh, uh, TSOP uh, imprint? They presented us with a deal. They know, I think at the time we weren't with any record company because Mercury, that, that was over. Okay. And Gamble then pr- presented us with a deal. Mm. So next thing I know, I'm back home working again. What was that like? It was cool. Okay. It was cool. I really enjoyed working with Dexter Wanzel too. Dexter was, was very creative. He had a style mm-hmm. of his own. He was free. He was free moving. Uh, Dexter let right. me do a lot of work that I had never done before. You know, uh, sitting in the in, uh, engineering room and producing myself. I learned a lot from him about about doing that. And um, it hurry up this way again worked. Yeah, y'all, y'all, y'all came out of nowhere with that one. And yeah, it worked. That album is it's got a lot of great things on it. And then yeah, we went back with yeah. Bell too. But uh, the Bell stuff just wasn't the same. It wasn't the same because the ingredients were different. It was a. Uh, yeah. It was like at a time when. Uh, I really had to get out of that group, and I wasn't happy then. Now, talk about that a little bit, Russell, because um, you know, when you know us outside looking in, we look at the stylistics as just legends, man. Le- a legendary group, the the you know the the signature uh, falsetto led group uh, uh, of signature that you know, uh, I mean, of uh, Philadelphia. So, what was some of the things that was kind of troubling you? You know, I, I, you mentioned it a couple of times. The the working aspect of it, too much work, the financial aspect of it. Uh, one thing that was really bad, and uh, at the time I felt like I wanted to do that, was when we first started working, I um, told the guys, I said, even though you're not going to be recording and not going to be doing anything, we're still going to keep it the way that we always been. We're going to split this money down five ways. Oof. And that was my that was me giving. Mm. And it didn't matter. It didn't matter to me uh, until that other thing that started happening where they start treating me like I worked for them. Now and you mean the me. other guys? Because I'm thinking like the, yeah, the label. Guys. Oh no, no, I never had no problem with the label. The other guys. And we started not getting along. They're not even singing. I know. What do you? T- what? Why are they coming to you like you work for them? <laughs> I'm just. I'm sorry. Because, because I wasn't doing what they wanted me to do. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Singer. Too much work. It got down to the point. Yeah. It You're comes, the lead singer. But I wasn't. <laughs> You're the lead singer. I wasn't. I wasn't getting lead singer money. I was getting the same thing they was getting. No so way. It got down to the point. <laughs> So it got down to the point where I told them, you got to start earning your keep. Yeah, man. You got to. You got to. You got to. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. You got to start, you got to start singing. You got that, that open up yeah. a whole can of worms. Yeah. A lot of problems would, would come about. Like that that 18 day, 20 something, uh 24, 27 day thing I told you in Japan. Yeah, we work over there all of them days, and then 
the last night of working all of them days when I'm on my last voice, my manager come to me and say, uh, well, you know, we're getting ready to go back to start working in the States again. Uh, I think you need to start working on a new show. I said, what? Wow. Uh, why are you talking to me? You better go talk to them guys about doing something new or something else on there. Right. It just started getting down to the point where it's, wait a minute, I do not work for you people. I work for myself. Right, right. And I have been doing it for 30 years or whatever. You have to start getting up off your shit. I know that's right. It kept I going and kept going until I, until I start having trouble with my voice. And when I start having trouble with my voice, they looked at it as an opportunity to get rid of me. But they couldn't get rid of me. But things were so tough. And I would never want to go on stage and not do the best job I can. I quit. 50 years yeah. old, I quit my job. Yeah, man. Wow. That's amazing. That's crazy because, you know, we 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 look at it like, man, that thing could have, it should have been a better situation knowing that you stuck in there and was loyal to them, even though I, I don't think I've heard anything quite like that in history. Everything comes back around again. Yeah. Everything comes back around again. Yeah. The new stylistics, I mean, I, I enjoy working this now, and I'm doing more work than I did before. Oh, I'm still wow. singing everything, but I do it when I want to do it. When you want to. Because I heard I you retired. Yeah, yeah. I, I heard retire. you no, I heard you retire for a while. Yeah. I heard you retire for a few years. That was the three years I told you when my voice and, yeah. and I went back to right. school. Right, exactly. You know, right. right. But, but um they start like I told you, they start taking taking my music from me. It was time for me to go back to work. And um uh, it's it's all these years of doing that and the way I conditioned myself after I had that time off. But Mm, mm, mm. In, ten, in 10 days, I'll be 70. Uh, Greg from the Unifics told me, Russ, you'll be singing until you're 90. <laughs> well, you look good, so I'm not. I hope I look as good as you when I become 70, brother. I changed my life around. You're eating good I or something. Drinking. I don't know what you're, I don't know what you're doing, man, but it's, it's working, brother. Cause... Stop drinking. Stop smoking. Yeah. All that stuff I used to do in the 80s and 90s and 70s, I stopped yeah. doing all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Because any I, knew, any I knew what I had to do to go back to work. Right. And I did. Right. And yeah. after this, after this whole year off, I got to do it again. I probably be going back to work in August. When the last I time you performed? A year, uh, February. Okay. And uh, I, you know, I still sing. I sing every day. You know, I sing, but right. nothing is like singing on stage and traveling and doing the job. But uh, mm -hmm. like I, my 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 schedule right now is my birthday's on the twenty first. 
and me and my wife is going to put together my diet and everything. After the tw- 21st is my last day of uh, eating meat, mm. not not running. I'm still a runner. I'll start back Welcome running. to the club. I, I, I can I, tell. I can tell. And I get into my uh, into my thing and um, because I got into August to be ready to go back to work. Mm. Chop-wise, got no problem. I can sing That's everything. Good. But singing it day after day after day after day. At That's least the only thing I got to do now is get <laughs> at least to be able to sing three to four days. Right. Because the way they're about singing Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Mm-hmm. When I get myself mm-hmm. up to Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, I'll be cool. But I, I know after being in the business for 50 years, I know exactly what I have to do. No doubt, no doubt. Well, well, look, you you know, you guys continue to release albums all throughout the 80s through Streetwise Records, and you linked it with Tom Bell later. You know, what was, um, you know, like, what do you think about, you know, you know, music change. So what do you think about a lot of the music today? You know, some of it is all right. You know, it's just not me. You know, it's not yeah. the type of it don't hit me in here. Right. Right. Um, I saw something on TV last night. On that black show. <laughs> something about soul. It was on TV last night. Uh, something about soul. It's been showing. Common is doing it, and a lot of the uh, uh, younger entertainers. Right. And they had this girl on here that played bass. That said, she said she she did it for the uh, for some movie, uh, the movie with uh, about the Black Panthers. Okay. It's the best thing I heard in a long time. Esperanza Spalding. Song. She was playing es- bass. Light skin girl. Uh, no, 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 like, not her. Okay, no, I know, I know, no, I know. This is another girl. Okay, you coming to jazz player, jazz player? Yeah, not her. yeah. This yeah. is another girl. Okay, okay. And they killed this song. It sounded like yeah. Marvin Gaye. It sounded like Curtis Mayfield. <laughs> and and she, yeah. she, she tore it up last night. But I hear yeah. stuff here and there that I like. What I like about the new artists, and and they ain't new no more, like Beyonce and right. Jennifer Hudson. What I like about them is not their music. Mm-hmm. What I like about them is their change, but voices are still the same. Mm-hmm. When Beyonce goes back and sing old school, she murders it. She Jennifer destroys Hudson, it. She destroys it. I agree. I agree. I'll be trying to tell uh, people that. Usher and all of them, when they sing old music, they kill it. Yeah, but the music yeah. that they do that are hits, that they're age bracket like yeah I, I, I feel the same way i feel and, and we all that we're me usher and we all around the same age but it's like i hear some people say oh they can't sing anymore i'm like no they can sing it's just the songs that they're singing it doesn't showcase their the true vocal ability so ability. you can't don't you don't exactly. say that they can't sing because if they have to go if you want them to sing those older songs they can do it. <laughs> they can do it. They can yeah. do it. It's just so happened that that now in 2021, being a true singer is just really not required anymore. So what do you how do you feel no. about that? No, it's just that that's what that's what the audience wants. You know, everything changes. 
you know, I liked old music. Me too. People grew up, people grew up during my time. If it wasn't Motown, they didn't like it. <laughs> but I've always liked everything. I mean, I've always liked the Beach Boys. I've always liked the the uh, Four Seasons. Frankie Valley. I, mean, yeah. I like Andy Williams. I yeah. like, I mean, uh, all kinds of artists I like. Yeah, and I, yeah. I listen to everything that are bona fide yeah. singers. I don't care yeah. if the music is corny or whatever. Yeah, I yeah. Just, when I hear them talking, <laughs> it go right to my ear. You know, so yeah. I listen to everything. But yeah. The only reason why I don't listen to a lot of the new music, it don't hit me. It don't hit me here. It don't hit me. And and, I, and a lot of these, you know, I'm in my 40s now, but I should, you know, I should like a lot of the stuff that comes out. But it's like, you guys ruined it for me. You ruined hip-hop. it. For me. Listen, let, let me say it before you say, you ruined it for me because you guys were so great that ever since you guys came out, no one has been able to reach that level of quality. So now here I come and I've been listening to this music since I've known about uh, round two and, you know, the self-title, all the hits from the you guys, Philly. I've known about this stuff since I was a, a baby. And this is all I know. Like my parents played this stuff. And now, I, like you said, I just don't get that feeling no more. And, I, and, and I'm, I'm like, it's something wrong with me. They say... They say that the music that you first hear and that you first fall in love with is the music that you hold on to for the rest of your life. Yeah, it must I remember true. when I first heard rap. I was at Small's Paradise in New York. And I forget the guy's name, one of them first rappers. He was the DJ at Small's that night. Okay. I said, listen to what he's doing. I thought it was fantastic. Right. And then them other guys came out that was on all platinum too. That uh, Sugar Hill Gang, Sugar Hill Gang, and all that stuff. I I said, wow, this is so creative. Yeah. And so yeah. whatever. And then it started evolving into something else. Yeah, yeah. It started getting vulgar. It started getting nasty. Then I didn't like it too much no more. And then it went on a little bit more. I like Will Smith. But then yeah. it just it just don't do it no more. But they're singing more now. Yeah. Well, they love singing now. Well they they're love you. More. They love you. The, the the rappers, they have sampled your music. I know. They I have know. sampled your music yeah. to death. Real all the producers from DJ Premier to Pete Rock to the RZA. I've heard you. What do you think about that? Like, as far as like a lot of the rappers, they sampling, you know, stylistics and keep on doing it because I get, <laughs> I get a check. I get a check. That I guy, know that's he, right. This guy <laughs> just got through doing my stuff. Uh, yeah. Rick Ross. Rick Ross. Yeah. He just did people make the world go around. People make the world. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's huge right now. He's huge. He's huge. You guys was in and Crooklyn. Long as yeah. creatively. Yeah, you like, know, like, I, like I, I But I, see, it don't belong to me. So I can't say yeah. not to do it or not to yeah. do that. I, I mean, you can give you, you can give your opinion because you sang on it, but oh, yeah. you just, yeah. at, at the end of the day, you, you probably don't have the control, whatever. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. But, but uh, uh, yeah. Music just involved. I can yeah. respect 
Mm -hmm. I can respect anything that any artist or whatever do. Even that vulgar and nasty stuff that they right. were doing that I didn't like. Right. You know what I did like about it? They had control. They did. It was their music. Yeah. It was their company. Yeah. They were doing their di distribution, even if they had to sell it out of the trunk of their car. It yeah. was theirs. Yeah. And I had a lot of respect for that. Got to. You have to. Because have whatever to. we did, it didn't belong to me. Nothing belongs belongs to me but my voice. That's I think they learn. Thing. I think they learn from the mistakes of that's that's one thing I, I do like about the younger artists. They learn from the mistakes of the artists that came before them. Mm -hmm. You know. So um, you know, a, a lot of um you know your music. On, you wait another 10 years, it's gonna be Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Ten years from now, it's going to be something else altogether different than now. It's sure. I'm, I'm not going to say ten years. Like everything. Hey, Russell, not even ten years. Three Next years. Year. Give it three. <laughs> give it. Give it two. It seems like with nowadays these kids, their attention span is so short that even artists that they love, they're not listening to those artists in two or three years. Yeah. And here you guys, man came out in 1970 and to this day um you know here i am i'm i was born like eight years after you guys came out and i know your catalog and your music as it, i listen to your music as if it just it just came out today you know and, i re, i remember thinking in the 70s i said to myself yeah this music that this soul stuff that we doing in songs they're gonna die down wow and they started dying a little bit Every 10 years, it seemed like it just went whoop. It came back up again. <laughs> yeah. People started liking it over again. And it yeah. they start liking it from the different formats that they can listen to it from. Yeah. Starting out with records. CDs. Going, going to eight tracks. Yeah. Our records yeah. came out on eight tracks. And mm -hmm. then it went to cassette. Yeah, cassettes, yeah. Then yeah. it went to CDs. Yeah. And I got an album that I recorded back in 96 or 90, somewhere between 96 and 98 with the uh, with my partner. Now, I got I got two solo albums out, right. I got two solo albums that I put in and out in the 2000 and a live album. Well, right. I worked with him back in 98 and we did an album. He, he can put that out. He's putting it out on record. It broke up. I'm sorry, it broke up a little bit. Say that. Can you say that again? Yeah. They they putting it. He's putting it out on record. Okay. The the album that I did in '98. Okay. Uh, last year, a stylistic's Christmas. Mm. Stylistic's Christmas came back out on vinyl again. So they just doing a, doing a lot of things. Uh, we would uh, they bought the catalog from Amherst Records. Because you know I did a lot of albums with Amherst, too. Right, yeah, yep. And uh, Amherst are the ones who brought out the company from H&L. So they... Now all the, was, all the, Hugo, and they, they all passed now. Uh, yeah, Hugo. but they had, sold a, they had sold the catalog before they had passed away when they retired. And they sold it to Leonard Silvers from uh, Amherst Records. My partner that I work with now... Something just jumped up on my screen that uh, 
introducing sleep cab. I don't know what this is. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, my partner that I work with now worked with Leonard Silvers at Amherst. Okay. So he's the one that I'm working with now with me and him putting out my solo stuff. Okay. But, uh, How's, how does it feel? To, how does it feel to just continue to release music and do it, you know, do it on your time? And, and, and I'm telling you, man, in the last 20 years, it's been feeling so great. And you know, good. I didn't want I didn't want to come back. He called me when I quit uh quit the group. Uh his name is Chris Beeler. Mm. And he called me and said, Russ, I want you to do a song for me. I said, Chris, mm -hmm. I'm not in the business no more. And he kept on. He was real persistent. Yeah. He kept on calling me and kept on calling me. And um He said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll buy you the equipment and you put it in your house and I'll mm -hmm. send you the tracks and you can mm -hmm. put your vocals down anytime you want. Wow. That one song he wanted me to do end up being 17 songs. And that that's when my first solo album came out. And okay. I've been with him ever since. So we've been knowing each other now for 22, 23 years. And uh, it just feels good to make music, man. Um, uh, I'm basically I am retired now. You know, so I'm what inspired what is what inspires you? I I sing. Yeah. I sing. I sing all the time. I can't help it. I sing everything. I sing the commercials on TV. I sing everything. Yeah. Man, you know what's always always want to tell you this, uh, Russell, that always stood up stood out about me about you when you used to sing these songs. You seem so serious and so focused, but then you hear this beautiful voice just coming out like it's out of all those other guys. They they did a lot of extra little stuff or whatever, but you had this presence and this confidence and just this focus. And it was just you were so you, you it was so unique. You were so young. And, I, you know, I always uh, that always stood out to me about you. I was you know? a. I was an introverted singer. I didn't do a lot of me between the audience and myself. I went into the world of the song and yeah. delivered a song. But yeah. that's another thing that's more fun for me now. Okay. I can interact. But you was I, young. You was young. I, you know, you was young. I've learned, I've learned yeah. to do. I've yeah. learned to interact. I've learned yeah. to eye contact. I learned to express and yeah, talk to yeah. the audience you know i've learned to do all of them things now and it's made my my career it's made my life much better when did you start doing that when did you start really because you know when i don't I know with the new group oh because i don't know if anybody because i don't i don't like to watch any other interviews you know i like to have my own style but i always wanted yeah. wanted to know did anybody ever ask you that question because it's something out you know as much a lot of times when you when people interview their idols or people that they love they don't want to ask certain questions with the with the feeling that they might uh, say something that that could be you know. People uh, people used to ask me, "Do you ever sing with your eyes open?" <laughs> nah, I, why would I they mean, ask I, that? You know, not you, but I mean. No, no, no. I'm saying, but why would they ask that though? Because you clearly, you I clearly did. have your eyes. I would close my eyes and I would go into the world of the song, you know, and yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not singing yeah. 
I'm not singing, you know, out to the audience as much as I'm singing <laughs> in that world. Yeah. And that's all right, because it still sounds good on record. I'd say you yeah. And I had stage fright for a very long time. And uh, when I I used to drink. And when I would get my nice buzz on before I went on stage, that would send me into that world. <laughs> you talk um, about during 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 the early during your like your heyday? Yes, indeed, man. No um, way. No oh, way. I smoke, <laughs> I smoke me a doobie and go out on stage. And I'd be in Never Never Land. <laughs> I could not tell. I could not tell, man. What it, I would be singing, singing sometime. And the only time, I mean, I used to get a standing ovation. I used to go inside the song and be singing. And the only time I pop out of the song is when I heard the people standing up and cheering. <laughs> and I open my eyes and everybody's going crazy. Because <laughs> I would go... I mean, I would go into Bet You yeah. By Golly Wow and, and Bet You By Golly Wow would be here. Every word. I mean, write your name across the sky. I'd be writing it. Man. So talk about that. What were some of your favorite songs there to, to perform during that time? Because you know what? That's why, that's why I mentioned it. It's my yeah. favorite song still. Bet You give, By Golly Wow. I can give me, give me, Bet You By Golly Wow all the time. Give me your top five. Your top five stylistic songs to perform. Just give me five. five. Don't you have, have a top five? Okay. I don't okay. have a top five. But uh, I like two? you. When you told me when <laughs> when you liked uh, B-Sides, yeah. uh, I like I like songs like one of the Hugo Luigi songs. One is called I'm Gonna Win. Ooh, I like that's a good one. And I that's love singing your, I'm Gonna Win. Yeah, yeah. Then, uh, I like a Teddy Rendazzo song called Looking at Love Again. On a, I believe on the When the Lion Sleeps. I think it's on no, that not project. that album. Not on Lion Sleeps. I'm talking no, about, no. I can't stand that album. You don't like that one? <laughs> I think I got that album here and the plastic is still on it. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. That was, and, and, when, and when my wife teased me. No comment. The line, oh, you, how long have you been married? 50 years. Sheesh. <laughs> she brought in a group too. <laughs> <laughs> and when the lion sleeps the night, come on. She said, There's your song. <laughs> Yo, what made you guys record that? I'm sorry, man. Y'all should have left that. Y'all should have left that one alone, man. Money. That was the uh, I, that's the only stylistics album. I'm not gonna lie, I don't like. That's the only one. I told you because the plastic yeah, is still man. on there. But yeah, I'm that you, one. money. That, that one and that you, Wonder you. Woman album. Do you remember that one, Wonder Woman? Nice, nice album cover with the beautiful woman on the front, the blue background. Yeah. Right. It, it wasn't as it, it wasn't as bad as the Lion Sleep though. Money. <laughs> like, Money. Wonder Woman. Wonder Money. Woman is all right. Yeah. I had yeah. to leave. I had to leave. I used to do interviews back there, and people would ask me the same question like you did. I used to tell them it's like making shoes. Each pair of shoes is the same thing. Just put them same out, thing. sell them. <laughs> Make them yeah, shoes and yeah. put them out and sell them. And I didn't get, my heart didn't get back into the feeling of making music yeah. until I worked with Teddy Mendazzo. That's why them albums, wow. are, that's why them albums are special to me because 
I start singing them songs that he wrote. Mm. Uh, it's a song on it, and I and them songs were real big in Germany, and I go to Germany yeah. every year, and I I have to sing them songs. Nobody mm. here in the United States don't even know them. I don't. But when I go to Germany, the people yeah. standing right in front of me be singing every word. Yeah. Yeah, There's a yeah. song on there called "You're Too Good to Be Forgotten." <laughs> man, sleeper song, sleeper cut, Ooh. sleeper cut. And when I sing that, yeah, and I yeah. don't get high no more. I haven't got high yeah. in years. <laughs> and that's a, B, sing, that's a B. That's a B side. That's a B side. That wasn't released as a single. And and when I go on stage and sing a song like that, yeah, I'm high without getting high. High off of the music. I can still go into that world mm -hmm. and make the song mine. I can still do that, you know. Mm -hmm. I found that's another thing. Shyness, artists, musical mm -hmm. people get mm -hmm. into getting high, mm -hmm. get into drinking, and they think they need that. Right. I found out that I did. Cause it works until it don't work no until more. It, until it don't works, yeah. I hear a lot of them just trying to chase that high, like they that first high, and they they forever trying to chase that. Well, that's a hard, that's hard drugs. Yeah, I ain't never mess around with nothing like that. Okay, but some 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 reefer and some liquor. You ain't got to taste that. It's always there. but <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you, right. well, you ain't. Hey, I still love. Yeah, well, I, I still love. Yeah. It helps your voice until it don't anymore because it's damaging. Enrico Caruso used to drink a shot of whiskey every night before he went on stage until it didn't yeah. work no more. Well, I heard Lou Rawls used to smoke like big cigars, cigarettes, and they, he said it would help fatten his voice. That's the reason why he did I that. Smoked, it would... I smoked for 30 years. I smoked all through my albums. I smoked all the way up until 1996. You mean cigarettes? I smoked, I smoked cigarettes from high school to 1996. Damn. How the hell were you able to hit those high-ass notes smoking cigarettes? Like I smoked cigarettes. No way, man. I find that super hard to believe, man. I'm I'm thinking, man, you, your career yep. should have been over. You should have been your career, you should have yep. been done with back in 72. My manager used to say that. Sing but it as high as you time, say, man. Oof. But see, at the same time that I was smoking cigarettes, yeah, I was running half marathons. Okay. Playing basketball every day. So you balanced it out. Running ten <laughs> miles a day. Me and my me and my brother-in-law, we used to go run the Philadelphia Marathon. Hmm. And when we would finish. Running the Philadelphia Marathon, me and him would sit on the curb and light up. And the other runners used to come walking past <laughs> us and look at us like crazy. <laughs> hey Russell, you remember back in the day? I remember like when I was a little kid, and you you definitely should remember this. You would open like the Ebony magazines, and you would see like the the cool uh, ads, and you'll see like yeah. a guy in the gym. And, and yep. he'll be smoking a cigarette, and you'll uh -huh. think, think to yourself, like, this doesn't, this doesn't make sense. Like, that, like somebody that who was up. born, like, yeah, who was born like later. I'm, I look back at these old Ebony magazines. Come on, mom is she was if she was alive today, she would be a year old. She was born in '50, but she kept a lot of 
Ebony magazines throughout the years, the big mm -hmm. ones, not the little ones, yeah. the big ones. I know what you mean. Yeah, the big Ebony's. I, I vividly remember those. And I would just see like cool uh, advertisements and the guys would be in the, in the locker room. So I'm thinking, how in the hell? And now I'm talking to you and I'm like, okay, so this shit really happened. Man, I'm telling you, they never showed, they never showed us no negative yeah. things about cigarettes in the '60s. You never. And no surgeon I started hanging out with people. No, I started yeah. hanging out with people who did things like that when I my last year in high school. I started working nightclubs. I started working out. I started hanging out with grown people. Yeah. And they all smoked and they all drank. My mother's a bartender. That's how I got oh, my okay. first job. Mm. The uh, the club owner that she worked for gave me my first singing job. So okay. I was in that atmosphere. You know, we all smoked. Yeah. Everybody smoked. Yeah. Everybody. I looked at, yeah. I look at pictures, on the man. airplane. We should get on the plane yeah. and play cards and be smoking on the plane. Yeah. And I think the Just very don't... first thing that woke me up was when I saw Yul Brenner. Yul Brenner said, I wish I had never smoked. And he was, yeah. getting, ready, and he was getting ready to die. Ah, yeah, the actor. And then the cigarettes killed the Marlboro man. And then they shot, start showing pictures of lungs. And all of that stuff, if I had seen all that stuff in the 60s before I had uh, started smoking, yeah. I'd have never smoked. But I enjoyed smoking. I really do. I, I love smoking. Yeah. I love smoking. You know, if I go to the doctor and the doctor say, look, man, you only got two more, two more months to yeah. telling you. Yeah. Why should I not, you know, do what I feel like doing? And I'm getting ready to die. <laughs> but it did I'm take out like. Go back, I'm going to yeah. go back and do everything that gave me pleasure <laughs> before I die. <laughs> Well, you still, I'm glad you're still here because a lot of those um, artists, man, that was around from, you know, those early Philadelphia years, years, they're not here. You know, um, we lost, we lost Norman Harris back in 1987. Uh, he had, uh, I believe he died of cancer. He was yeah. young. Um, yeah. Ronnie, Ronnie Baker, he died of a heart attack in 1990. Mm -hmm. And uh, I believe we just lost, uh, man, Roland, Carl Chambers, they're gone. Yeah. But them guys didn't. Them guys didn't do nothing. Them guys didn't play no ball. Them guys didn't jog. Them guys didn't yeah. run. They didn't go to the gym. Them guys ain't yeah. do none of that stuff. Nothing. Yeah. I used to hang out with them. I live in the Mount Airy part of, of 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 Philadelphia now. Okay. And when I first moved up here, they all already lived up here. Norman and all of them lived up here. So I, when I moved up here, I started hanging out with them. And uh, I saw the things they would do. I mean, I work with many groups and stuff that would, would snort cocaine and shit like that. And because I didn't do it, they didn't let me hang with them. They don't want nobody standing around watching them do what they do. So I yeah, didn't, yeah. I, I didn't yeah. do it, you know? Yeah, I, heard, I, heard, I heard both of the Chamber Brothers had uh, bad. And they were, the nicest, they were the bad. nicest. Uh, they were the nicest guys. Um uh ronnie the the, the talk the, the bass player. player talk about what uh, norman player. norman harrison uh, and bobby no, Eli. Not norman, 
not Norman, not Bobby Eli, uh, the Chamber brother. Oh yeah, Carl, 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 Carl Chamber. He Carl wrote Chambers. one of the songs that one of the biggest songs for us that people in Europe like, uh, called "My Heart." Mm. Them people in Europe love this song so much that when I sign a contract to go over there, right in the contract it says you have to sing "My Heart" as many times as we want you to, or don't come. Damn, they love you. That's a that's a classic. That's a sleeper. That's a sleeper. Yeah. And and him and Kenny Gamble wrote that. My heart. It's on the I think yeah. the Harry Up This Wig and album. Yeah, yeah. They love this damn song, boy. Yeah, him and him and Kenny was kind of close. I know they wrote um, yeah. they wrote they one of the, the uh, yeah, yeah. Did you know about the Romeos? Yeah, that was uh Kenny's group. Kenny's uh yeah. Kenny yeah Kenny's group. And they all they all were in that group together. And this is like before the record company stuff. Yeah, yeah. I've been, I've been so fortunate in my life. I think the one of the most fortunate things that ever happened to me in my life is to be involved with some of the greatest writers, producers, arrangers for my whole career. I mean, mm. they, I, them people, man, has have made it so that I've had a job for the last fifty years. Yeah, yeah. And no, that's no just, so that's like the one of the greatest things that God has ever given me. Uh, I totally agree. I told Kenny, Kenny, speaking of Kenny, didn't he do? I wanted to ask you this earlier. Didn't I, uh, didn't Kenny uh, co-write um, make up to break up and uh, payback as a dog? No, he did. Stop looking. Listen. Mm. I think he wrote stop looking. Listen, I'm, I'm not sure if he co-wrote uh, break up to make. Yeah, it said. Yeah, it said. It said Kenny co-wrote that. Well, if you say it, yeah, he said it. It is. No, I was just saying. Okay, see that now that that one I didn't know that because I don't see his name in the credits on that one. But I see, you know, I was like, because I had I have all those albums on vinyl. I'm looking at the credits and I'm I see Gamble. I'm like, damn, I didn't know that he uh you guys worked with him a little back like back then, all the way back then. I thought you guys didn't start working with, you know, them until like CSOP. No, them guys all in the, was the same building. Yeah, yeah, uh, I know, Gamble, you gotta forget him. That's yeah. Mighty. <laughs> that's Mighty so any, so You can't work with yeah, Mighty three and not work with everybody. <laughs> you have to work with everybody. Even if they, people think we were a Philly recording group, but we were in a Philly yeah. recording group until we got on TSOP. We all the yeah. records we did a Sigma Sound, but our company was in New York. Now, did Kenny Gamble? Did they ever? Did, did, did Gamble or Huff? Did they ever try to recruit you before you guys got on with uh, Hugo and Luigi? No, because mm. we was already working with Tommy Bell. First time I ever went in the studio, and we did uh, "Stop Looking, Listen." Yeah, Kenny Gamble and all of them were there. In fact, they sang the backgrounds on it. Yeah, I do. Yeah, on that first album, the first album it does say background vocals. Yeah. It has Kenny Gamble as background yep. singer. Yeah, they all sang on that man. Anybody that was in the studio that day sang. <laughs> man, that's crazy. That's crazy, man. Well, look, uh, Russell, it's been an honor to have you on this platform, man. I mean, this is stuff that legends, man. This is stuff of legends. It is. I'm just. I'm just so great to be able to talk to somebody I grew up listening to 
I mean, your music resonates to me in a different way because it takes me back to a time. It connects me to my forefathers, uh, brothers like yourself and ones that came before you. And I appreciate that, man. I really do. Hey, man. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. You know, nice to meet you. Nice talking <laughs> with you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's been no, great, man. No, and no. Uh, your, thanks for your patience helping me out trying to get this <laughs> stuff to work. <laughs> man, you, man, this is nothing. It's Russell Tompkins, man. It, I would have I would have took an hour, three hours, man, just to make this happen, brother. It is it is truly an honor because, like I said, I can't say enough. When I'm gone, when you're gone, the stylistics music will still be here. It's still it's gonna live on way after we gone. I hope I know it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, because I got my little ones, my little ones singing it. You, so, so they know, they they know. So they go, they go teach their their grand, you know, their children, and so, and that's the beauty of music. That's the thing I love about music, and that's why I love about what I do. And and as far as just bridging that gap and, and uh, allowing artists like yourself, man, to come here and bless the platform and continue to show that, man, you guys are still here. You ain't gone nowhere. As long as you still here, brother, man, we go, we go. I'm we I'm here to listen. I'm here to listen. Right. Cool, man. Cool. Yeah, anything safe. else? Go ahead. The only thing I was gonna say is stay safe, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take care, stay safe, take care of your family, man, and enjoy life. That's all. No doubt. It gets a little rough once in a while, man, but it's it's yeah. it gets nice too. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know that right. I know that's right. Well, look. I'm Malak Arif. We signing off. The legendary lead singer of the Stylistics. The legendary. Let me say that again. The legendary. The one. The only. Mr. Russell Tompkins Jr. It's been a pleasure, brother. You take care and have a good night. All right.